you don't care about cryptocurrencies, this might be something that says to you, hey, maybe I should start paying attention. That's our colleague, Paul Vigna. Paul says you should be paying attention to cryptocurrency because of a company called Coinbase. Coinbase helps people buy and sell cryptocurrencies. It went public on the Nasdaq stock exchange last week, and it did very well. World's biggest cryptocurrency exchange, Coinbase, has filed to go public on the Nasdaq. So yes. This Coinbase IPO sounds like a grand slam. I mean, it's a profitable offering. It has just opened up for trading. The opening print, $381, that figure. That's up roughly 50-some percent. It's currently- Coinbase's IPO is a big moment for crypto. Not only is it the first big public listing for a cryptocurrency company, it also shows how widely the technology is starting to be embraced. Coinbase's idea was we're going to be the front door for mainstream America and the world to get into Bitcoin. And Coinbase became this sort of iconic first company. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, April 22nd. Coming up on the show, the story of Coinbase and how it's fighting to bring cryptocurrency into the mainstream. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. The man who founded Coinbase is named Brian Armstrong, and his interest in cryptocurrencies began in 2010 while visiting his family for Thanksgiving. Brian Armstrong, who ends up founding Coinbase. In 2010, he is a 20-something computer engineer, went to Rice with a double major in economics and computer science. And he is back at his parents in outside San Jose, up late one night on the message boards, on the internet, and comes across something called Bitcoin. And he becomes very interested in it. And, you know, in the intervening months, he becomes extremely interested in it. Bitcoin is one of the first and most popular types of cryptocurrency. It's entirely digital and only lightly regulated. And a lot of people, when they first encounter Bitcoin, they think, oh my God, this sounds like a scam. This thing, this is a total, you know, fraud. But Brian didn't see that. Brian saw a way to rewire the financial system. And I know that sounds extremely grandiose, but it is grandiose. But that was the promise of Bitcoin from the beginning. It was, we are going to rewire the financial system. We are going to make it more accessible. We are going to make it cheaper for people to use. We are going to make it more egalitarian, more democratic, all these sort of very big words and phrases and ideas. One of the reasons crypto enthusiasts think Bitcoin is more egalitarian is because anyone can use it. For a lot of people, especially in the developing world, it can be hard to participate in the modern financial system. It's highly regulated, there can be fees, and the country that you're in decides which currency you have to use. With Bitcoin, there are no gatekeepers, no big financial institutions, no borders, no central banks pulling strings behind the scenes. 
there are some hurdles that you have to jump just to have a bank account. But with Bitcoin, if you have a smartphone and a piece of software, you can get a Bitcoin. Armstrong was a true believer in Bitcoin, but he knew that if Bitcoin was really to reach those lofty goals, it needed to be more user-friendly. If it was hard to use, it would never catch on, and the world would never get to see its benefits. Well, what Brian realized was that for most people, using Bitcoin was impossible. The software was too complicated. You had to be a programmer or a coder or a developer or a techie or something. You know, you had to have some amount of savvy to just to use it. And his great insight was, I want to build a piece of software that will allow anybody to access Bitcoin. Somebody who doesn't have technical savvy, somebody who's not a coder, who's not a programmer, who's not a developer. That was what his original goal was. And he originally just built a very simple piece of software. It was what they call a wallet. Coinbase's wallet made it easier for everyday people to access Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and store them online safely. Another way that Armstrong tried to make crypto more accessible was that he tried to make it less scary. When Armstrong co-founded the company in 2012, there were still questions about whether cryptocurrency would even be legal. So he and his business partner started meeting with bankers and government officials in order to preach its benefits. Banks were very hesitant to have anything to do with Bitcoin companies. For years, it was a problem. If you went to a bank and you tried to open up an account and there was Bitcoin written anywhere on your application, they were going to reject you. Coinbase reached out to regulators just to explain to them what Bitcoin was to make them comfortable with it. But the decision to cozy up to regulators and bankers made a lot of early Bitcoin enthusiasts angry. In Bitcoin circles at the time, that was extremely controversial. And in Bitcoin circles, it's still controversial. It's controversial because Armstrong decided to work with the mainstream financial establishment. In the eyes of a lot of Bitcoin enthusiasts, he was working with the man. And to them, that was counter to their idealistic vision of what Bitcoin was supposed to do. Most of them had the idea of, we are going to kill the banks. We're going to go around the banks. We're going to go around the system. We are going to rebuild the financial infrastructure globally. And it's going to be a great world. But Armstrong and his company decided to do it anyway. And his decision to cozy up to regulators and bankers paid off over time. So by his deciding to go right through the door, he actually ends up building these very important relationships that give him a leg up on the competition. Coinbase had banking relationships early on when other crypto companies could not get banking relationships. As regulators are understanding Bitcoin more and more over the years, as regulators are getting more comfortable with it over the years, they come to know it through Coinbase. So he actually helped build a lot of the understanding that regulators and lawmakers have now. He helped lay the groundwork for that. Brian Armstrong's next move was to expand Coinbase from a wallet, which just stored cryptocurrencies, to an exchange where people could buy and sell them. But in order to do that, he was going to need a lot more money. Lucky for Armstrong, a young venture capitalist was about to get in touch. There is this young venture capitalist named Adam Draper, who is actually, the Drapers are... They're basically Silicon Valley royalty. His great-grandfather basically invented the venture capital industry. So even though Adam's a very young guy, he was starting up his own venture capital shop, and he was getting interested in Bitcoin. And he didn't know much, but he wanted to know more. So Adam Draper emailed Armstrong, and they met for coffee in Mountain View, California. 
Adam said that there were two things that Brian said that stuck out with him from that meeting. The first was that he said, eventually, we are going to rewire the financial markets and you're going to have them on one, basically one rail, and it's going to be based on Bitcoin. The other thing that Brian said to Adam was that this will be a trillion-dollar market. And Adam said he had never talked to a founder where they had used that a number that big, a trillion dollars. It sounded far out, but Draper was intrigued. So he became one of the company's first investors. With major venture capital money, Coinbase was set for big growth. But a startup tied to cryptocurrencies isn't like other startups. Its fate is tied to a very new and very unstable form of money. Meaning, when the value of Bitcoin crashes, so does Coinbase. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Canva. It's time to ditch your old presentation programs at work and try Canva presentations instead. It'll help you create stunning slides in no time. No design experience needed. Just start with one of the designer-made templates or generate something in seconds with AI. Then polish it up and get ready to wow your audience. It's that easy. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more. By 2013, Brian Armstrong and Coinbase had a wallet that let people store their cryptocurrencies and an exchange that let people buy and sell them. And by charging transaction fees, the company was starting to make money. But the thing about basing your business on cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin is that it can be extremely volatile. Bitcoin had a huge run-up in 2014 and a crash in 2015. A huge run-up in 2017, a crash in 2018. So in 2017, the price of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies take off. The price went from about $1,000 in January to almost $20,000 in December. So yeah, I mean, 20x. It was a huge, huge run up. A lot of people heard about Bitcoin, got interested, said, how do I get involved? How do I do this? And the first place they went was Coinbase. And that was powerful for Coinbase. I mean, that really helped solidify who they were and what they were building. And at one point, Coinbase had the number one ranked app in Apple's App Store. And I mean, that showed you how far into the mainstream it had penetrated. But as soon as Bitcoin got to that 20,000, that was a bell ringing top. Because as soon as it got to that price, it starts falling, and it kept falling. In January, it fell about 50%. Through all of 2018, it keeps falling, and it it bottoms out around $3,000 by the end of the year. So everybody who got in excitedly in December and November of 2017, they got crushed in 2018. 
The Bitcoin crash caused a lot of investors to lose faith in cryptocurrencies in general. And a lot of crypto companies either shut down or refocused their businesses on something else. But not Coinbase. So for a company like Coinbase, there's pressure because what you see is your Bitcoin-focused peers going out of business. And there were a lot of companies that went out of business in both downturns. So the question is, do you shift with it? Do you alter your business? Do you change what it is? And the really interesting, notable thing about Brian, and this gets to what a lot of people told me about him, is in Silicon Valley parlance, he did not pivot. The company didn't, you know, give up on Bitcoin, give up on the exchange. They didn't go into something else. Armstrong has said he's not going to let Bitcoin's volatility scare them. The way they run this company is they're not running it for the short term. If you're coming from a crypto mindset, it's just a different world. And you understand that Bitcoin has ups and downs. And you understand that there will be periods where the money's flying and there will be periods where you are pulling teeth. And his plan to run the company was always to run the company for the long term. Armstrong was so focused on the long term that when protests over racial justice swept the country last year and a lot of employees wanted Coinbase to do something to support it, Armstrong refused. Brian's decision was, I want my people to focus on Bitcoin and building out our products. And in September, he convenes a meeting and he explains this to them. And he writes a memo and he eventually publishes the memo. And he said, we're going to be, a, I think his word was a, a mission-focused company. And he basically said, as a company, we're not going to get involved in politics. Not only did Armstrong say the company wasn't going to get involved in politics, he also discouraged employees from debating social issues at work. His response to everything that was going on in 2020 was, the best way that I can affect the world is to continue doing what I'm doing. I have this idea about how Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies can kind of rewire the financial markets and make them more transparent, make them more egalitarian, make them more democratic. That's what I want to focus on. A lot of employees didn't like it. I mean, there were a lot of people that were, these are real, real concerns. And here's your CEO saying to you, don't think about it, just think about Coinbase. It just, it didn't land well with a lot of people. And he said, look, if anyone doesn't like it, you can leave. We'll give you a severance package. 60 people, or about 5% of employees, took the package and left. Despite all that, it's hard to ignore the impact that Coinbase has had in bringing cryptocurrencies into the mainstream. Banks are now talking about Bitcoin. It's accepted at companies like Tesla and AT&T, and even PayPal just announced that it would let users transact in Bitcoin. And remember Armstrong's prediction that the cryptocurrency market would one day be worth a trillion dollars? He actually undershot it. This month, the market's total value passed $2 trillion. And after Coinbase's IPO last week, the company is now valued around $80 billion, making Armstrong a multi-billionaire himself. How do all those early Bitcoin enthusiasts feel about what Brian Armstrong has done? Do they think that his success in bringing cryptocurrency mainstream has undermine the idealistic sort of anti-establishment vision of cryptocurrency? There are people in the Bitcoin world that don't like Coinbase. They think it's the empire, you know. They don't like Coinbase. They don't like Brian. They think he's a traitor to the cause. There are still people in the Bitcoin world that think that. But you have to look at what he built over the last 10 years and say that he had the right idea. And it has grown 
into a large industry. And now you have its largest company is part of the U.S. equity market. So what does Coinbase's public listing symbolize to you? The first major crypto business going public on Wall Street. This moment with Coinbase going public, for the first time you have a large sort of flagship institution from the crypto sector becoming part of the traditional capital markets. I mean, it's a real sort of meeting of two different worlds. You haven't really had this in a direct way before. It's a coming of age of an asset that, and a sector and an industry that all grew out of nothing, literally nothing. But I think we're still early. Look, for all the interest, all the excitement, all the money that's gone into this sector and this industry over the last year, it is still something that is a mystery to a lot of people. There are still a lot of people out there that just do not care, frankly. So I think it's very much still early in that story. That's all for today, Thursday, April 22nd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.